Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And gosh, I'm excited today because this is our 318th podcast of Grace to All. And number 78 was when I interviewed my friend Keith Giles. That was a couple of years ago. And I've aged a little. I don't think Keith has. Oh, well, (laughs) yes, I I have in ways you maybe can't see. But yes, absolutely. But I'm so happy to have Keith back. What I'm doing these days is revisiting, re-interviewing some folks that I had on before in particular because I'm getting ready to launch my new book called Grace to All, the same as the podcast, where I have a couple of pages in it, about 85 people that I've interviewed and what they're all about and uh, their books and where you can reach them and their Patreon page and courses and different things. And uh, I've taken some of Keith's courses in how to make a living being an author, a self-published author. And I don't make as much at that as I did when I was a full-time jazz musician, but I'm not starving either. So <laughs> thanks to to Keith for that. But Keith, welcome. Thanks for being here. Oh, Paul, thank you. It is always a blessing just to sit and talk with you. And it's uh, great to be back. Thank you for having me back on your podcast. Well, I'm glad to. You've written uh, seven episodes of your uh, Jesus Un series, and this is the latest one. And oh, man, it's caused me to think and reevaluate and just uh, look at things uh, in a different way, which I, I would guess maybe that's the reason that... <laughs> Yeah, that, that was kind of the point. Uh, yeah, that that you wrote it. So I'd uh, love to have you talk about that or anything else uh, that you're doing. I know that since we talked last time, you started to work with Peace Catalyst International. And tell us what's going on in your life today. Wow. Well, many things, actually. I'm a pretty busy guy. Uh, and I do this full time. You know, that's why I did that. I put together that course, like how to make a living as a full time author, because it's one of those things that I never thought I would ever be able to do. I just thought no one will ever I'll never, ever be able to do the things I love full time. And over the last couple of years, I've been able to do that and it's been great. So now that this is all I do, yeah, I get to spend all my time. I do podcasts, I write books, I'm working with Peace Catalyst. I do some online courses based on my books and things like that. I'm helping some people who are deconstructing and want someone to help them go through that and move into reconstruction. That's the square one course and community that I've started a couple of years ago. And that's been going great. Yeah, I'm I'm really, really busy doing lots and lots of things. I I don't know where to begin, I guess. Well, I guess I'll say, yeah, I did finish up that Jesus Un series. Didn't really intend for it to be a series in the first place, but I'm really, really proud of that. Really happy when I go back and look over those seven books. It's kind of hard to believe when I look at them. Like I wrote seven books in five years and I think, yeah, I'm proud of all of them. I, I, I get feedback from people all the time who have been really blessed by each of them. And helping people kind of process through what I see are things that are distractions from Jesus, you know, whether that's faith and politics or even the Bible or some, you know, church and the institution of church or some doctrines and theologies that I think are pretty toxic to people. Like 
penal substitution or eternal torment or the dispensational end times rapture, all that stuff. And of course, my, my, my most recent book, Jesus Unarmed, looking at the message of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And so each of those books, you know, I, were is just my way of trying to help people see a little bit more clearly about these issues or not be distracted by those theologies or doctrines and get at a more direct sort of connection with the real Jesus as possible. So yeah, I'm really, really happy with that, having finished that series and they're doing, all of them are doing really well. I've been doing monthly book courses for each one. So like right now, or the final week of the, it's a three-week course, Jesus Undefeated, which is the book about the doctrine of eternal torment. We'll do another one. I think next month is Jesus Unexpected. So it's a, it'll be a three-week course where we go through the book on the end times and all that. So every month there's another one. And those have been really, really good. And I'm working on finishing up my next book. So I'm actually writing a book that should hopefully be out before the summer, around the summertime. I have not talked so much about what that book's going to be about. I'm keeping a bit of a secret on it a little bit. But I will say, in general, that book is about embracing mystery trying to really just move us away from when we talk about theology, talking about theology in ways that we typically do, which are typically ways about us talking about things we think we're certain of. And uh, I want to say, when you're talking about God, you are talking about a being who, by definition, transcends your ability to fully comprehend. So none of us should be talking about theology with any degree of certainty, right? Like, oh, I've got this figured out. Yeah. Whatever it is you think you figured out, that isn't God. It's something else. <laughs> yeah, boy, that's for sure. I, our friend Pete Enns has a great book called The Sin of Certainty. And I remember the days when I was just dead set certain <laughs> that I was dead on right. And now I realize that almost everything I believed was wrong. And You used the term doctrine just a little bit ago. And I, I just been, the Lord has impressed upon me more and more and more and more and more that he doesn't have doctrines. The doctrines are all doctrines of men. <laughs> That's exactly right. I refer to what I call the the world's doctrinal system of darkness. And uh, I think that's what Jesus came to set us free from. Absolutely. I totally agree. Absolutely agree. I think, yeah, if anything, religion and theology and doctrine, those are all man-made things. And God is so much bigger than that. God transcends all of those ideas. So that's what I'm trying to do in the book is trying to help us kind of break out of those religious systems and ways of thinking. And especially that whole thing about, <laughs> I mean, I, I tell people this all the time, like and when people go through the square one courses, which is um, I have a square one and a two and now there's a square three course and community. But right at the beginning of square one, I, I will tell people in all of your deconstructing and all of your reevaluating your beliefs and rethinking who God is and what it's all about. I would encourage you, and I encourage your listeners the same way, I encourage you to deconstruct your need to be right, because I think in the long run, you will be much happier individual if you are not hung up on being right, relating to other people as either people who agree with you or disagree with you, and that means they're either right or wrong. When you do that, you're making yourself the standard for truth in the universe, because, hey, if you agree with me, well, I'm not wrong, so... If you know that means you must be right if you agree with me, but if you don't agree with me, well, you're wrong. I, I'm not wrong. It's it's that thing about when you think you're right. That's the crazy thing. Every time I change my view, I'm still right. I believe this, and I think I'm right, but then I change my mind. Oh no, I'm right, and now I'm right. And then I, then a few years later, a few months later, I change my mind again, and oh now I'm right. I'm always right. 
Um, <laughs> but that's the wrong way to think of it, right? The 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 right way to the more honest way to think about that process of changing your mind is to is to realize that you were wrong before, and you're probably wrong about some things now. And I guarantee yeah. you, you're going to be wrong in the future. So knowing that, hold loosely as possible to these things that you think you know, because you don't know. You think, you believe, but you don't know. And then I think it's more difficult. It's human nature to want to define things and figure things out and map it and graph it and chart it and all that. But that's not, God does, God resists that. God is not reduced to any kind of a formula. So I think if we're going to relate to God, it has to be from that perspective of embracing mystery. Anyway, that's kind of what I'm hoping to encourage people to do in my new book, which again, hopefully will be out soon. Well, I look forward to that. And I like the term that you used, deconstructing from our need to be right. I've seen along with that, I used a different phrase, although I'm going to steal yours and I'll credit you for a few weeks and then I'll say, I've always said. Exactly. That's what you do. (laughs) But deconstructing your need to be right. Our whole concept of dying to ourselves, dying to different things. I'm seeing that, of course, dying to the need to be right. But along with that, one of the things that uh, it's very much parallels that, at least to me, is dying from our need to judge. You know, they're sort of part and parcel of the same thing, but Man, that's not easy for me, but it's very necessary. Yeah, and that's a great point, too. That's kind of the danger, the trap we fall into. Yeah, the next thing we do, once we are convinced that our faith is all about being right and having all the right information about God, then, yeah, the very next thing that happens is we start doing that judging game of, you know, if you agree with me, you're right. If if you don't agree with me, you're Mm -hmm. wrong. You're a heretic or whatever. You're the other. Now you create this us and them division. This leads to kind of this tribalism of you know us and them, me versus you. Uh, these this way of thinking, which is not a good thing. Uh, it always leads to conflict and violence, and it's just not a good yeah. thing. So being able to relax <laughs> and not do yeah. that is again, it's just my experience. The the more I have done this, the more I personally have relaxed and not made it about being right and recognizing that I'm not right. You know, I've been wrong about a lot of things and I'm, I'm really good at being wrong and that's okay. You know, then it's suddenly like I relate to people. I don't relate to people anymore as us and them, or they agree with me or they don't agree with me or they're right or they're wrong. I just relate to them as people, right? Yeah. And so I'm not offended if somebody thinks something different. I can just go, oh, well, you know, what do you think about that? And they believe something different. I can say, huh, okay. It can either be something I've never heard before and I'll learn something. Even if I don't agree with them, I'll go, oh, I've never heard that before. Or if they say something, you know, I believe this X, Y, or Z, and I go, well, yeah, I used to believe that, but I don't anymore. Well, because I used to believe something that they currently believe, I don't think they're an idiot because was I an idiot before? No. So, you know, I understand why they believe that. And I used to believe it too, for the same reasons. Yeah. And so again, I just don't get offended. I don't get bent out of shape. I don't feel the need to prove anything. You know, I can just kind of go, oh, yeah, okay. I understand that. Yeah. And uh, move on. And it's just, again, you have so much more peace and joy and you don't have the anxiety. Yeah. And you don't have to yeah. win the battle and win the argument. It's a much better way to live. Yeah, I, I think uh, this is a quote from Jesus Unarmed. It might not be, but I, I think it was you that said, uh, if you're at war, you're not at peace. <laughs> There's That's no right. peace when you're at war. <laughs> That's well, right. Duh. <laughs> and yeah, I, it, uh, man, it's just so much more freeing to, uh, I had somebody uh, comment on one of my posts uh, that said, uh, well, we know that the most important thing is having right doctrine and your doctrine is wrong. 
And <laughs> yeah, I, I resisted the urge to respond to that. But there was a time in my life when I would have said the most important thing is to have the right doctrine. And of course, I was right. But oh man, it's so freeing to <laughs> not have to feel that, not to have to, well, it, to be able to resist. I don't always, but to be able to resist not replying back with some zinger that makes them look bad and me look good and all that kind of stuff. All it doesn't really ever get you anywhere, right? It just sort of creates more division or whatever. Yeah. You've had a few of those zingers. I enjoyed your article. My son, who listens to Relevant Magazine online, you quoted an article by Relevant. And at first I thought that that Relevant was really knocking you. But it, as I read it, it, no, they were taking your side really against the gentleman that you mentioned uh, who declared war against the deconstructing Christian movement. Boy, declaring war doesn't have a good ring to it, does it? No, no, it sure doesn't. And that's what I, yeah, I wrote a blog post about that when I saw that comment, because it's just this whole phenomenon lately. In a way, it's kind of, I hate to say it's amusing because I don't want to downplay it like it's not hurtful or stressful for some people. I don't want to suggest that. But on one level, I guess on a certain level, it is at least interesting to me or fascinating to me watching evangelical Christianity suddenly wake up and respond to and react to and recognize that, oh my gosh, people are deconstructing their faith and there's a lot of them and, and it keeps <laughs> happening and it's not going away. And they don't they used to sit it. in that pew and that pew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, exactly. they don't sit there anymore. <laughs> yes. Or, or, yeah, some of them used to sit in the pew. Some of them were standing behind the pulpit and they're gone too, right? Or they used yeah. to lead worship and they're gone too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not even just the pe- the average person in the pew. It's people in their leadership who have left. And and so on the one level, you know, when I that, that's where this comes from is just people overreacting because they see it happening. So number one, that's in a way, I think that's good. Like it, it's happening enough that they are re- recognizing, oh, I can't ignore this anymore. Yeah. And this really is something that's happening <laughs> and we should take it seriously. The downside is when their reaction is not to try to understand. I wish that was the reaction. Like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is happening. Can we just sit down with some of you and listen and have you explain to us what's going on so we'll understand why you're doing this? But that so far, not a lot of people I see anyway are doing that. They're typically guessing about why people are deconstructing. And they're wrong about what those reasons are. And I know that they're wrong because they'll say things like, well, you just need to read your Bible. No, see, you don't understand. The reason I'm deconstructing is because I've been reading my Bible and I'm going, it doesn't line up with what you've been saying. And so that's what's leading it. If anything, it's the opposite. It's because I've been reading my Bible and I'm going, huh, that doesn't make sense. And, you know, or, or even when they'll say things like, well, you know, hey, everybody, this deconstruction thing is just really, it's a bad thing. It's a, it's a dangerous thing. And before you deconstruct, do this or don't deconstruct, do something else. Like as if you could just decide that you're going to deconstruct or not. Like, I'm sorry, anyone that's deconstructed knows <laughs> it just slipped up on them and, you know, came up behind them and, and hit them on the back of the head out of nowhere. Like, wait, yeah. what? And you once you see something, you can't unsee it. Once you know something, you can't unknow it. It's like, right. now that I know that, now that I see that, I got to do something about it. I can't just pretend Absolutely. I didn't see it. Yeah. So, you know, it's I, just seeing those kinds of reactions. It's in a way kind of funny, but in a way very sad. And yeah. I, I wish there was more of an attempt to have a dialogue. Yeah, me too. I have a business background. I, my major in college was music education, but for the first 10 years of my business career, in addition to having my band, my wife and I had retail music stores. And I relate a lot of things to business. And I've been thinking about this whole thing. You know, we had competition in the music store business. And if all of my customers 
if they started leaving in droves and going to buy their their things and get their instruments repaired at another store, I wouldn't declare war against them. <laughs> I'd try to I'd try to figure out what I was doing wrong and exactly. get them back. That's a great analogy, Paul. I see that's exactly what I mean. I mean read a blog about that because that's right, you know. What it should be doing is causing them to stop and say, what are we doing wrong? Because that would be the right question to ask. You know, a lot of people who are leaving the church, who are, they're leaving the church, probably not even so much because their views are changing or their ideas are changing or their doctrines or whatever, faith is changing. Most of them that I've talked to anyway, like in square one and stuff, they left because either they were asked to leave because, oh, you know, you're rocking the boat and you don't, you're not submitting to the authority of the pastor or whatever, or they were just made to feel very, very unwelcome. So that they were like, yeah, I guess nobody really wants me here. And so they left. And so going back to that business analogy, right? If you're losing business like that, people are going to the guy down the street. You don't declare war on them. You you figure out, okay, I must be doing something wrong. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And then you, yeah. ch- you fix that. You adjust that. Yeah. You realize I'm probably yeah. the problem, at least on some basic level. <laughs> Telling them how bad they are <laughs> probably is not going to get them to come back. Right. Yeah. And you could do a whole analogy on that, right? Like a music store right down the street. Like all your customers are going to the guy down the street, like you said, to, to buy their music or their sheet music or to get their, their instruments repaired or whatever. And just like putting signs up in your store about how bad that guy is and how you shouldn't trust him is like, yeah, but he does great work. I've been there and he's a super nice guy and, and uh, he saves me money. And everything you're saying bad about him doesn't change anything about what he's doing, right? Yeah. I hope you'll write a good blog about it and then I'll steal from you. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but if yeah, I do I'll, it first, feel free to steal from me. I'll, I'll give you credit. If I write something, I'll say, you know, uh, I'll mention that you and I had this conversation. <laughs> no, it's really good. I think that's a great analogy. And that's partly why I'm disappointed in the reactions, like, because the reactions haven't been to say, hey, everybody, this is a big problem. What are we doing wrong here? The assumption has been, well, we're not wrong. Uh, we're doing everything right. It's must be, the problem must be them. It's yeah. them. They're leaving because, and again, you're, you're not asking them. You're just trying to dream up your top five reasons why you think they, they're leaving. And that's not very helpful. No, it's not. Hey, Keith, our time has really flown by. I knew it would, of course, and you yeah. did too. But we're going to do a second podcast that people will hear a week later. You and I will both have the same shirts on and be That's sitting right. in the same place. But we have showered and shaved in a week. So I, yes. uh, well, not, sh- not shaved, but showered no, anyway. <laughs> but, but as we wrap things up, again, I want to go back to my reason for writing my new book, Grace to All, is to help people connect with the wonderful people that I've got to know, like you, during our interviews and reading your book and stuff. So tell people how they can connect with you, the different platforms and all of that. Well, I'm my blog. I blog pretty regularly on Patheos. You can find that. It's just my name, KeithGiles.com. I am on Patreon, patreon.com slash KeithGiles. I've been, I just launched a brand new uh, weekly blog series I'm doing called Inner Circle, where we're looking at the gospel of Thomas. Very, very excited about that. And so you can check that out over there on Patreon. My books are all on Amazon, Kindle, print and audiobook available on Amazon for the whole Jesus on series. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter pretty regularly. And I want to just plug real quick. Some of the podcasts I've been doing. Um, I do heritage happy hour podcast with uh, my co-hosts there and Matt DeStefano and I have done one together called apostates anonymous, which is a blast. We're having so much fun doing that. I do a solo podcast called second cup with Keith, 
comes out every other week on the Ethos Radio app. You can download that on your app store, Ethos Radio. And when you download the Ethos Radio app to get Second Cup with Keith episodes, you'll also be able to listen to my other podcast on Ethos Radio app, which is called Threads. And those are conversations that I've had with people like Paul Young and Brian Zahn and Brad Jerzak and Baxter Kruger and Derek Webb and many, 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 many other very, very cool people. So that's what I'm doing in the podcast world. And I would love to engage with people over there too. Great. Now we have two seconds left. Uh, Tell us what you do in your spare time. (laughs) Okay, we're done. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) What's that? Spare time? (laughs) Uh, Keith, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next week. And thanks to all of you for being here with Keith and me on the 318th episode of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Love you all and see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.